0: On the show today, party down, stuck in a funeral ship, and there is no up in space. In three, two, one. I don't know. Are you going to be able to survive Halloween? Nope. Good. Next time you see me, I'll be a ghost. Oh, e- excellent. Well, for anyone who might be uh, listening to this or watching this in the future, uh, know that Alex is indeed a ghost by the time this comes out. Um, and uh, and uh, I am also a ghost. Um, that's my complexion. And uh, we're, we're hanging out in Ghost World. Uh, thank you, All Hallows' Eve. Thank you for joining us on Total Spooky Knock, Knockdown. I, I'm Nathan. I am Alex. And, uh, welcome to one last graveyard shift before we move on to That's the other true. world. All my shifts are graveyard shifts. That's true. That's why you're a ghost. Yeah. Next thing is, I'll be a corpse. A corpse. Aren't you usually the two things at the same time? You become a corpse and then you're a ghost. So you go- who knows? Anyway, moving on. I saw a question on Reddit that I thought was incredibly prescient, considering that it is about TPKs. Yeah, on topic, on brand. On topic on brand, yes, and not a total pebble knockdown, mind you, but a total party kill. Potential TPK for level 13 party was the title. You should be able to deal with anything at 13. Uh, what you do is you just double the hit points on all the enemies. Oh. I
1: assume this is D&D, by the way. It is.
0: My party of players located the outpost of a tactically intelligent group they believed to be responsible for some politically motivated arson attacks and they right. bur- they burst into it and kicked down a nearby door and went full force throwing firestorm and other powerful and loud spells and in a matter of 5 to 8 rounds they slaughtered 10 members of the group one managed to scream out an alarm but was slain then, my party stopped and held position while looking into some curious uh, curiosity that piqued the wizard's attention. After a short time, a member approached from down the hallway with their hands raised and engaged the party in a conversation about lawful authority within the city, which the party engaged in for many minutes, which turned out to be a stalling tactic. The rest of the outposts surrounded them and attacked and the party is in a really bad spot with the wizard and barbarian banished, the cleric in a silence spell, the druid and bard are outnumbered trying to hold one of the flanks. The enemies have offered to allow the party to surrender, but they are talking about fighting it out, which is almost certain to result in their deaths. These enemies would accept their surrender, disarm, disarmor them, and jail them. But in combat, I cannot imagine I could justify them taking prisoners. Thoughts, advice, feedback. Your players are stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you this. So so here's the thing.
1: Yeah. It's the enemy is intelligent. So it's not like they're just going to murder them on a whim, apparently. No. You know? So... The party has the option of surrender. hmm A lot of parties and players don't like doing that. No. Even when it would be beneficial. Yes. So I guess the real outcome comes down to whether the party would like to live another day and escape or learn motives, maybe join this cause. Who knows? There's lots of options for role if you surrender. Right. Or if you're forced to surrender, like, incapacitated. Right. Um, And I can't really see that group as being too lenient. They already killed multiple members of their thing. So it's like, well, if you're going to stay and fight, we're just going to kill you. Like, we've already committed arson,
0: potentially murder. It's like, your deaths are going to mean nothing to us. So, like, it's up to you right, right uh, reading down in some of the comments, I did find out that this is a group that's been playing for like five years with these characters um, so uh, so that so they they're pretty well versed in what they can handle and what the what the party can handle and I'm going to assume that the uh, DM also does. So if they're saying this is uh, probably not gonna end well, I, I so, I'm guessing that means it's not going to end yeah. well.
1: Well, the other thing about that is if you've been playing these characters for five years, there is a very real potential that surrender is not an option for these characters. Whether or not they don't want to get caught, or whether or not they are just too stubborn as uh, beings to admit surrender or defeat. Yes. Like, surrender might not actually be, like, an option in their minds it's no we either go down fighting or we don't go down
0: at all i i always ask myself a question like with the you know the trope is that the party will always fight right like there's there's no such thing as running away or surrendering you know for as a trope
1: yeah i have definitely run away from things that i have not been able to handle before i am
0: i am a firm believer in the idea that parties should absolutely keep that as an option yes
1: yes i mean back when i was playing with david uh, Shump and I, I transformed into a horse and put him on my back and rode away with him while he's unconscious, you know? Oh, yeah. But at the same time, Heff had faced down a demon on his own because he you know, was like, this is an ancient enemy from my homeland and there is no way I can feasibly see myself backing down from this. Right. Right.
0: He's like, I know this will probably kill me, like, but I have to yeah. try. Hef was doing that, though, uh, because that's his character his character it, yeah. not not because you were like oh i got to stay and fight that was not really a you choice right. that was a character
1: choice i sa- i said to i said to david i was like this is probably going to be a really bad idea but he would do this and he's going to do this it was um, a bad choice by the way but... it was a, i mean he got
0: brought back to life
1: um yeah eventually. the running away was like we had a whole town garrison on us it's like we're not going to survive this we yeah. just
0: escaped from jail we're not going back right um right 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 um i have had cases uh rembrandt ended up in a um in a cd uh basement with another member of the party and these um these like creepy children that are saying oh we ha- somebody's hurt please help us and going through like these doors and doors that like Lock behind you and stuff, and I kept trying to like do these uh persuasion checks to make sure that I was the last one to go through the door so that I couldn't so that it wouldn't close behind me. And obviously, there's a point where you're like, Yeah, this is not what you think it is, and uh, it turns out that, yeah, yeah, no, no, they were just disguised as kids and they were like monster creatures, uh, that were luring people into like the underbelly and my initial thought is to basically grab my like halfling companion make sure that he gets through the door try to shadow step my way out of the entire facility and then just grab the guards and tell them hey some creepy c- creepy dudes down there and just have them deal with him which which happened and I was like, "Yeah, something really weird's going on down there." And and the guards went down, and a bunch of them died.
1: <laughs> a right, bunch I of them died.
0: This. Yeah, a bunch of them died. Um, but but like the captain and stuff came came back up, and it's like, "What was that?" And it's like, "I told you they were creepy." Yeah, tell me about them. And it's like, but honestly, like I, that that was a that was a thing where tactically. That would be what Rembrandt did. He's a he's a shadow ninja, you know. <laughs> he he can shadow step out of that. I kept I kept telling Dom like, uh, so there are grates in this like uh, undercity, so I can see out to the road, right? And it's at night, and it's like, oh yeah, you can see out to the road because I kept thinking, backup plan, I have shadow step, and I can teleport to a space unoccupied space. I can see, so if I need to. Um, getting out of <laughs> here. Yeah. But back to the Reddit post. It doesn't
1: sound like this party has an easy out, aside from surrender.
0: Yeah, this is not a running away situation. So you either have to surrender or not. So, um, this is the part where I I ask myself if the option of surrender is one that they're not taking because the players don't want to take it or because they think the characters would not take it oh and then the other question that
1: i would ask from that is all right well here's a better question too and it may not be perfectly in character for you but like would having your player having characters die here really be worth having to start something over from five years worth of playing this game right Deuce ex machina you don't want to have your characters rescued by some outside force at the last moment when they're level 13 that feels really bad you know yeah yeah so it's the all right well you guys can surrender and be jailed and something will happen with that but you'll be alive you cannot surrender you can fight you can probably die you will probably die maybe surrender is the better option even though it's not the best like in character option like it, it's right. the party's fun the game's fun we want to keep playing this game because we've been doing it for five years i right. guess every game needs an end but like sure sometimes it might be worth just kind of going this one time we'll surrender bad decision on us kind of deal we we didn't do a good job we fucked up we're gonna surrender Deal the consequences, but we get to keep playing these characters in this
0: game and go on. Right, exactly. I I think that there is uh, also possibility, if it is actually something where the characters are able to surrender and are able to, like, go to a holding sale or jail, where this is not really an end of anything. Because there are—how many times—side note—how many times have you been playing a game— Where your party or your character, if it's a video game, ends up in jail and all their stuff has been taken away from them. It's like a common thing that happens very often. (laughs) Like, yeah, very often. I swear, like Fable, this happened. Deus Ex, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, Skyrim has a section. Elder Scrolls. Yeah, Elder Scrolls in general starts you there, but even Skyrim has also. Yeah. Yeah, this happens like with he a was lot put in jail, but then he escapes
1: because he's a druid and can transform into a spider. Right. Um
0: Yeah. You know, plus, you know, surrendering doesn't mean you won't get to play him, it means you can escape. Exactly. Now you have a cool escape plan to try and get out of yeah. jail, you know. This is this is Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, which, you know by the way. Oldie but a goodie. If you if you've never played it, um, but uh, in in uh, that particular game, the whole game is centered around Riddick being put in this like maximum security prison, and there's chapter after chapter of like him being in a prison cell and trying to figure out how to get out of this minimum security area and how to like make make a shiv and get into the locked area and get a gun and get behind the you know the skunk works. And then he gets caught, and they put him in, in, like, a medium security place, and takes all your stuff away. And then you've got to figure out how to get through that. And so, like, three times throughout that game is basically you getting caught, put into a jail cell, and then having to figure out how to get out of that situation. Right. And it works really, really well, because it's interesting. I think one of the reasons why they do those segments is because... Having now gotten very powerful and had all of your gear, taking that all away makes the characters start to think about how to be resourceful in that moment where they really have to be tactical about how they, they plan things out. So I think that it's actually an interesting thing if you do get put into the jail cell uh, because there's a, a lot of fun things that you can do with that narrative. Someone had suggested about talking to your players, as, you know, and tell them what the situation is, and uh, you know, and and I don't want to be too meta about that, but I, I do think that it's worth telling players that you know to to make them understand the likelihood of this going well or not yeah. in this particular I mean, situation. If it's a party you've had for five years as
1: well i think you can probably get away with that
0: at least give some uh not so subtle clues about how dangerous it is uh yeah wow that armor is really thick (laughs) um yeah that's, that's a shiny sword it's like yeah no just make make it very clear um i think that your your party's best plan of attack is probably to surrender unless they have a, a, some sort of an easily mitigatable escape plan but i don't think that they do yeah so yeah. um and uh you know talking and communication to your parties is probably pretty good the only other thing i can say is even after you know informing them and everything if they still like no better to go out in a blaze of glory or like i'm just going to we're going to destroy the whole facility if we can beforehand you know at least let it if they want to go out on an epic note let them go out on an epic note let them try to you know go go down swinging and you know destroy what they need yeah. to destroy there for stopping the arsonist group or whatever if they want to yeah um if, if they're if they're going to die i'll let them do whatever narrative thing they want <laughs> you know the whole make it
1: thing. a cool death
0: make it a cool death you know at at, at a certain point if you're like the party's gonna go I'm sort of like you know what we're gonna throw out some of the mechanics here and just do the narrative to end this of of, like what you want to have your last actions be um so I guess that would be our thoughts and advice as a general rule of thumb when you end up in like unsolicited advice brought to you by TBK that's what we always do right here everything we say is unsolicited advice for the record. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, if you find yourself in one of those positions, that would be our general play uh making sure that you talk to your players about it to explain the danger of the situation. Uh surrenders not a bad thing. Suck up your pride occasionally and do it if if it makes sense. Uh, and if your party really wants to fight, make sure that it's worth it. <laughs> make sure that make sure that their end of the story is worth it. Um, so that would be what I would say. Uh, if anyone has any other thoughts about how you might want to deal with the situation or additional advice that you want to give to the players as well as the GM, let us know in the comments down below, and we will talk about sure. it further. Alex, I hear that you have been exploring a little bit of space. The wacky world of space. Spice. As Tim Curry once said. BICE. The final frontier. Um, yeah, you had played a game that, uh, that I played a long time ago uh, called Breathage. I did. I was like, I would like to try
1: this out. It looks interesting it is free from epic I didn't pay for it, so there's your there one caveat there
0: right, right. after you uh said that you were playing it, I was like, well, i'll go back and try it again because my first impression was not as uh, was not very good um, but yeah, I'm going to attempt to play it a second time, so I put in some time with it as well more recently um but I—you probably put more hours in than I did. I did. Well, let's be real. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm further along. Uh, now you started by playing the survival mode, right? Yeah, I
1: started with just the standard mode, and honestly, I when I told you about it and you said that yeah, you play some and then talk, we can talk about it. I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll go back in and play some more, but. I'm going to swap it down to the story mode because I wasn't really gelling with the survival mechanics.
0: Yeah, what was the big problem that you were having with the survival mechanics? I can kind of imagine. So, uh, okay, to preface this for anyone who's not played or seen Breathage, Mm. uh,
1: it takes place in space. Uh, You have a little part of a shuttle that is... There, that's your base of operations, I think, for the most part. Uh,
0: it, it's where you start, um, but basically, yeah, the, the ship that you were on that's carrying all of these caskets, it's it's the Brethage uh, Coffin Company, or whatever they call it. Um, Funerary services. Yeah, the funeral services, have has broken apart, and it's just exploded into a bunch of pieces, and so you are in this one hab area. That's like at the back of this this game world. That is like your your starting place of operations. That
1: yeah. You mm-hmm. But yeah, so you go out in your space uh, spacesuit and you can collect all
0: of these things. It's a survival
1: game, so you're going to collect uh, different things for survival, for tool making, for crafting, all this stuff. Yes. My issue was that I didn't enjoy any of the survival mechanics. The issue I was having was that it wasn't a big deal of, like, having to eat and having to drink, having to sleep, and whatnot. That wasn't a big deal itself. But having to go out and collect all the materials and then come back because of the oxygen. Well, the oxygen, I guess, was the big one. Coming Mm -hmm. back every, like, less than five minutes to refill my oxygen. Sure. And I understand, yes, you could build some oxygen places out in the world, but the amount of materials you had to collect...
0: To then build that, to then have to refill that, everything felt really tedious. So the oxygen mechanics that are in the game uh, basically say that you have a, a certain level of oxygen. I think they start you off at like 75, I want to say, for a Count counter. Like that. And it's basically like uh, per second uh, is, is you drop a unit. So you're you're looking at being out there for like a little more than a minute. Before you start running yeah. out of oxygen, and once you start, once you're out of oxygen, it starts depleting your health pretty quickly. Yeah, right. Um, now there are upgrades in this game because you have equipment, and so the first one actually pretty much doubles it. It's like goes to uh, 150, and then the one that I did get by like chapter two uh, puts it up to like. 200 or something you know 200 and change and there's also some more mobility ability because as you probably noticed from the early game um you don't move very quickly
1: you don't no and that's i think part of it for me too was that collecting the resources is tedious but you're also not moving very fast even with the accelerator that you get
0: yeah, because you can start getting accelerators, but your accelerators really only increase your speed by, like, a couple meters uh, a second. Um, yes. This is a little bit of an issue only because they space out your places that you can go to, uh, and you obviously have to consider return trips uh, right. in order to get to your ship. And there are you know, the oxygen balloons that you can set up throughout the world, but you have to think very strategically about where you want to place those. Because even in that first area, there are essentially like two different um, forks that you kind of have to take to get the necessary components to get to the next area. As you probably found out, there's like that uh, one place where there's like the paint and the lead that you have to yeah. go over there, but it's a completely different fork from the um, from like the cold uh, liquid line that freezes you if you're not careful, um, right? Uh, and you have to you have to deal with both of these to craft certain things so that you're able to deal with the radiation uh, to get to the next area where you find another ship. Um, something I remember having a problem with when I first played that I still have a problem with now. Is the uh, the inventory system? Yes. Uh, every single unit that you get of a material takes up a block of your inventory space.
1: Right. Uh,
0: if I collect five scrap metals, that's five inventory spaces. Uh, a paint and a few other things will take up two by themselves, and. So it's very easy to get completely inundated with inventory space. And if you need to manage it while you're in space, your oxygen keeps going down while you're managing that. Um, It's also not helpful that you have some places where you can store materials, but they have the same kind of storage material. So you're constantly making... I was making constant suitcases and trying to organize all of my materials yeah. into the or- into the various suitcases but then you have another problem since you're going from this one place and you have to keep migrating out to other locations the resources that you've stored there don't come with you and you right. only have so many you can carry so now i have to get back there if i want to keep any of those resources or materials And then you can't put things in the suitcase and take the suitcase with you. Exactly. You have to have some mode
1: of transportation for the suitcase. Which I just want to say is weird because if you're in microgravity, as we mentioned earlier, it's not zero-g, it's microgravity. Mm. Because you're still near a planet, so there is some gravity. It's just very light. Anyways, um, if you're in microgravity and you've got a suitcase full of items, it's still not going to weigh anything. It's not going to be encumbrance.
0: Yeah, I would have liked to have like a, uh, some sort of suitcase daisy chain or something that you could put on you. Like, here's a hook that you can carry so many suitcases or something. So that, or just be able to hold it in your hands. Or being able to hold it in your hands if you needed to. Just, it's loaded up with lead paint. Let's go.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's an issue. I didn't really care for the inventory system. And then, as per games that are crafting like this, having to have all the materials on your person is... I get it. I get it. You want to have them on you so you can craft things. But I personally think
0: it's better when you can craft them in a small radius with whatever is around you. Yeah, I, I think that they're getting smarter about this because I've seen more that will just be able to pull from your chests. your Like your overall inventory space. Um, with, with your chests at, at your houses. Uh, this does not do that. Uh, it came out a few years ago, so I don't know if that was a purposeful choice or if it's just the limitations of the time. The other thing that doesn't really help you with the inventory is the amount of tools that you need to have on you. Yes. Uh,
1: that is the, one of the other things I really didn't like.
0: Yeah, it, and, and the thing about it that's so unnecessary is, like, your tools are breaking down all the time. They have so many uses. So you you feel like you have to keep backups in case you're in zero-G. You have to get back to the ship, and your thing breaks, and now I, like, can't collect the valuable resources that I have. But then they also make, like, it seems like a concerted effort to, like, just have one uh, tool that does one very specific thing. Like, yeah, I have I have a little magnet, uh, a, a little magnet unlocker, and the only thing that it does is unlock caskets. That's it. That's the only yeah. thing it does. <laughs> there. There, uh, there is a tool that is like a soil analyzer. I think there's only like one point in the entire game where I'm ever going to need it. But in the meantime, I have to craft it and I have to keep it in my inventory. And if I want to use it, I have to try to figure out how to arrange the four uh, keyed-in pieces that I have down at the bottom. Um, which I don't understand. I'm playing with a keyboard and a mouse. Why can't I have ten? Uh, you know, just, just keyed into the different uh, pieces. They'll still only give you four. Um, maybe because they figure you're playing with a controller, and they figured the D-pad I, is the... Uh, on my first
1: playthrough, because uh, I started on standard, uh, was with the controller. And you know what is ten times easier to play? Mm. With a keyboard and mouse? This game.
0: Oh, yeah, because when you're trying to catch stuff in zero-G and you're floating... Uh, aiming and then collecting at the same point is so difficult with the controller. But with a mouse, yeah. I can aim and click at the same time. And they, yes. They didn't figure that out. Um. But anyway, yeah, so half of my inventory space was keeping food packets, uh, oxygen candles, and all of my tools on me. It took up like half to two-thirds of my overall inventory depending on, uh, you know, where I was at. And just the fact that, like, oh, you need this specific tool, this is the grabby tool, okay? And, and so yeah. I need to keep a grabby tool, and I also have to keep a smacky tool, and I also have to keep an analyze tool, and then you get a laser pistol, which, is, which does different things than this. And I just kept thinking, there was such an easy way to get around this, is to eventually just, when, once you start to get too many tools... Have schematics that are multi-tool schematics that do multiple things. Or have a way that you can repair your tool. Or have ways that you can repair your tool. Yeah, absolutely. In Zero-G, that you can repair it out in in the wild. That would also be good. Playing on
1: the story mode, which makes it so you don't have to worry about any of your uh, survival mechanics, aside from your health and freezing and radiation. -hmm. Not having to deal with oxygen or food or thirst does help a bit to make it a little bit more I'm I'm hesitant to say fun. Sure. But it does help to make it a little more approachable because no longer do you have to gather as much ice. Yes. You don't have to gather the, the nutrition gel or the honey if you don't want to. You don't have mm-hmm. to keep food and water or in oxygen on you. It frees up so
0: much inventory space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand that. The thing that I think is uh, real unfortunate is that a lot of people might have pieced out on the game because of the frustration of those mechanics before they get to, like, Chapter 2. because I believe it. Yeah, because <laughs> you did, too. you You didn't really play much of
1: Chapter 2. I didn't. I played it up until the beginning of Chapter 2. I got a couple of the engineering things, and I went... Uh, I, I was telling you earlier, I got to the point where it's like, hey, you can make this magnet thing to open up the caskets, and it goes, new task, open 200 caskets.
0: Right. Which I, I can tell you is a troll. That is absolutely yeah. troll.
1: You lock, I assumed unlock a
0: it was a troll, but at the same
1: time, it was like... Nah, we trolled I'm done. right out of the game. Is pretty much what yeah. You, it's that's that's the point. It lost me even on story mode without having any of the survival mechanics being necessary. Right. Um, I do want to say though, as much as the gameplay didn't really catch me and I really didn't enjoy it a whole lot. I enjoy survival mechanics a bit, but not like this. And this uh, <coughs> the setting didn't really help a lot. Like the story was interesting. Right. I will say that the one thing I really did enjoy about the game mm-hmm. was the story. Yes. And was the uh, humor.
0: It's very irreverent, like, through through the whole thing. The one thing I did find, though, and and I found this weird the first time, is that there is a bit of an interesting tonal shift between those two things, where we're very irreverent. Uh, when we're talking about, like, the the machines that are trying to get the story out of us at the very beginning, and the little log tapes that are, you know, safety in you or whatever, you have the immortal chicken that you always have on you for that never yeah. dies for some reason.
1: For whatever reason, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a point... Uh, in Chapter 2 where you have to get into like a military base and you, you, you craft a military suit and when you walk up to the door and the, the little robot sees you, the, you pull out the immortal chicken and it's dressed in fatigues as well and, and he goes, oh hello Captain Sir and, and <laughs> lets you into the military base so there's got, they've got that going on One, especially when you're in the Habs. When you go out to space though it feels like they're trying for a completely different atmosphere the music yeah. starts really slow and low almost like j- just this this light atmospheric kind of flavor it doesn't feel irreverent like those interior spaces as if now you're getting into a cold distant world where everything is just so far and vast a- away from makes you.
1: sense because you're in space and right. everything is cold
0: and vast. Right, right. It's just weird that the tone is is shifted so much between yeah. that, the reality of it. Uh,
1: it has one of those issues I have, I think, with, like, Borderlands. Okay. Uh, which is the gameplay is so far distant from the way they tell the story in tongue-in-cheek humor. Okay,
0: okay. And
1: it's almost it's not quite as bad as borderlands is
0: with it because borderlands smacks you over the head with their humor every single chance they get oh yeah even even with the enemy (laughs) names and uh, missions you know (laughs) yeah everything is just there to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek a little bit of a humor a
1: little bit of a lewd joke uh this doesn't do quite as bad as that i don't think uh, as as much but it's still very often Mm. Um, but it's not to the same extreme. So I enjoyed some of the humor and uh, the way things were said. And it's like, oh, when, when you found the guy that was handcuffed to the bed with a lampshade, oh, yeah, 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 pull through him. It's like, oh, okay, uh, all right then. But yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's weird because it's a survival game that also has a ton of humor. And it doesn't take itself seriously, except for when it takes itself very seriously.
0: Right, which is usually the survival mechanics when you're out in the vastness of space. Um, Right. The one thing that's interesting is that, like I said, most people probably pieced out on it before they really got into Chapter 2. And I really had, to the first time. But I was like, I'm going to forge ahead because I know that there are, uh, you know, ease of convenience things that happen later on. And it was soon into chapter two where they give you your first vehicle and you get the broomstick, which is like the, like basically an outer space motorcycle that you get to get on, which goes significantly faster and just needs fuel and can be repaired with a repair tool, which again is another thing you have to keep in your inventory. Um, But uh, instead of going like, Four, five meters a second, like you normally do when you're floating, maybe up to, like, seven if you're thrusting, uh, the, uh, the broomstick now can do, like, 40. So now, actually, I can, with a couple upgrades, go directly from hab to hab and just make a straight shot back without running out of oxygen. Um... But then you get into the next section, and they're like, oh, well, we have to reduce the radiation so you can get to this next part. And there are now six different tasks that all have different sorts of mechanics in them that you have to go through to reduce the radiation. Um, and it's it's around this time where you're kind of like going, oh, there's a giant container of mayonnaise that I have to figure out how to shoot towards the radioactive uh, thing. Uh, and there's a, there's there's a big cannon, and I can make the cannon fire, and then it fires off in the wrong direction, but it allows you to get into the big shuttle, because you've cut off part of the the big uh, cargo hauler. Now you can get in there. Uh, these little kind of puzzle pieces that they put together while you're exploring out there, and then there's the base building, because there is actually halves you can build, which i saw in like the intro video but i never made it far enough to
1: get into that the thing and i can only yeah. imagine from doing the rest of the game that the base building would have been a chore
0: uh it, it can be because you start by actually building a like habitable area like an actual module and then the module does not have any of the interior space stuff that you're used to like oxygen Or uh, life support, or electricity, power, and stuff. So you have to also, once you get in there, you have to build the individual stations, just so you have the power necessary, and the oxygen capacity. You have to build your replicators, or whatever, you have to build your your crafting stations, and all of that. Um, And I'm gonna guess that at some point, I might be able to actually pilot it from one place to another, but I don't Necessarily think so because there is another shuttle that I think you can repair that then becomes a ship you can use. So, so I started building this base right outside of a hab, and I'm I'm just building it out with different uh, you know modules and stuff. But I started to be like. Am I even going to be able to use this after I leave here? I think that this is just going to be sitting around after I yeah. after I leave this. Um, A little disjointed. I didn't get to, like, Chapter 4, but I was reading a little bit of a walkthrough of Chapter 4 just to see, like, if I keep going, how much am I going to have to do? And it seems like if you thought the six tasks to eliminate the radiation were a bit much... A couple chapters later, they're like, oh, here's all these different things you have to get done to progress to the next area. And it's like, yeah, I I just... It's so much busy work just going back and forth and back and forth. Right. And it's just annoying that I have to keep doing that. Um, Yeah. I... I, When I played Breathage, the way I uh, described it was worse subnautica. (laughs) And... And I still implore people, if any of this that we've talked about sounded at least interesting, please, just play Subnautica instead. (laughs) And the reason... There's a few things that it does differently. Like, first of all, you always know where there's oxygen because it's the surface. If you can get to the surface or an underground vent, you know that there's oxygen available. There's base building that you can do, but you can do it pretty much anywhere. And, you know, you can... And and you always have land masses to attach to. But the biggest thing that Subnautica has going for it that Breathage doesn't is that Subnautica is teeming with life. And Breathage feels lifeless in its entirety. There's just... Which, again, is meant to
1: because
0: of space. I think that's kind of the problem with it, right? Is that because it's space, it feels big and vast and lifeless and also spaced out so much, where it just feels like a dead world that you're going through, uh, where the only things you really interact with are like robots at best. Subnautica does the complete opposite thing. You leave your shuttle to go into this world... And the first thing that you see when you go out into that world is a world teeming with life forms, just yeah. tons of aquatic life and a a built world that you can totally like explore and go out. You know, you're not really shoehorned into different paths because of distance. You can kind of uh, move move around the map a lot uh, right out of the gate. And explore this underwater world that they've built. And I haven't gone back to it since they installed the stuff where you can actually go on to, like, the crashed ships that were there before. But I hear that that's really interesting because it's, like, more focused, narrated pieces. Um, But... It, yeah, it, it, there's there's nothing in Breathage that's going to be as intimidating as seeing some of like those kraken creatures that are now coming coming for you, or you yeah. know investigating a wreck and finding out that there's like these these little sand sand monsters that come out and go Rah! right in your face, uh, or exploring help note, and such. Yes, mm. Breathage 2 is
1: a thing that's in production.
0: Breathage two. Out soon. Breathage two is a thing that's in production. Well, there's there's a there's something. Here's, so <laughs> here's here's one thing that I will uh, tell you that made me think about Subnautica when I was playing Breathage is that there's one part in chapter two where you have a a shuttle that was like the biotech lab, right? And so you're thinking, oh, maybe there's cool stuff going on in this. And you 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 um pop open. If you get explosives, you have to build explosives, four of them. You pop off the cap, and it comes back. And when you do that, you see all of these like life pods. And it's got this alien-like giant chicken monsters in them. And you're like, oh, am I gonna have to fight those? Are those around the ship? Are they gonna come to life? Can can they breathe in zero G or something? I wonder what's gonna happen here. You know, I started getting really interested, like, oh boy, is this almost gonna become a horror survival game or something? And I get in there, and I, I work my way through the facility, and I push a button, and it launches the whole section with all of the um with all of the monsters they were breeding to the planet. And and there's like this overture where the computer is saying we're going to try we're we're going to try to uh, make a thing that this was actually completely natural that they are natural life forms or that it's an alien invasion and they'll work on it down there. That's the last you see of the 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 alien pod creatures uh, again. It, it's kind of like it hand waved away. Feels
1: like it feels like any of the interesting story beats, they had, like, any bits that were going to be interesting. They kind of hand-waved it. <laughs> they just went, here. they went, here's the thing, this could be interesting, look at these
0: mutant chicken monsters, oh, they're gone. Yeah, they did, they they really said, like, at every single turn, Oh, here's a really interesting thing, um, don't worry about Thank <laughs> like you. This, this is not something we're gonna delve into. Exactly. Uh, kind of
1: like when you get the key into the like you uh, you get into the the cockpit on um, on the bridge rather. Oh yeah. And you put the code in. Yep. And then you take in, the key out, the antiquated key, and you turn it, and you do the thing,
0: and it's like launching, and then the ship just launches away, but the steering wheel stays with you. Yeah, you're there, and the ship launches out at there, and so you're still just stuck there. And they go, "Oh, that's not what was supposed to happen." Well, try to find your way to the next hab. And it's, yeah, well, and it's like
1: it, it wasn't right. really even that funny. It was like, "Oh, uh, okay." So this I'm kind point. of sitting there <laughs> wondering. Like I'm sitting there wondering, I've got the steering wheel in front of me and this ship, and I'm like, "How? What did? What powered
0: this? Did this have any engines left?" Right, exactly. And <laughs> like, know, what the, it's kinda like what was like what was the purpose of this? Pretty much so that I could yeah. access the next area without having to go through 0G pretty much. Yeah. I pretty feel much. like I feel like as much as I said I like some of the
1: humor in it, I kind of feel like the humor in the game is meant to be like at the expense of the player.
0: Mhm. Yes.
1: Um as opposed to something that the player can be like ha, that's actually
0: good. It's more like ha, we got you player. <laughs> uh, right, right, right. They're not so much poking fun at the genre or the situation. They're poking fun at the player for going, Psych! You thought yeah. you thought that was going to be fun? Ha ha! Gotcha. Yeah. Not fun. I don't not know. Fun. Uh,
1: my verdict is, uh, breathage... Uh, didn't...
0: Didn't take me. your breath
1: away? Didn't take <laughs> my breath away, thank you. That's the what I was trying to think of.
0: Breathage is is fine enough as a survival game, but I think that it didn't really sell itself very well from the beginning. It, it starts off with this idea that it's going to be kind of a wacky, silly adventure, and then it doesn't really deliver on that for the majority of the the game past that. And I think it's one thing that you see in a lot of these survival games um, that uh, starts out really strong and gets a really clear vision of what they want to do, uh, but then just loses the plot about an hour or so in and makes you wonder what exactly are we doing why am i doing it and what's the purpose to all of this um that is not however subnautica which is why i say if you're going to play one go play that (laughs) (laughs) this this has not been a review of breathage this has been a discussion of our time playing breathage and more importantly what flaws in the formula could possibly be addressed with a breathage two. Who knows? Uh, Maybe you can play it cuz I sure as hell I'm not interested. Multi-tool Breathage 2. Come up with a multi-tool that I can use that has more functionality on it as time goes on so it doesn't take up all or don't have it as part of the inventory. Yeah. That that would also be good. Tools on a separate wheel. Do thing go. Do that. Or stacks. Please stacks for materials. It doesn't even have to be big stacks. Just ten. Ten in a stack. So I don't have to constantly flip back. Thoughts. Just random... Some thoughts for Breathage 2. Anyway. um, Let's move on to uh, something in the same vein, but that is not specifically about Breathage (laughs) In uh, the last segment, we were talking a little bit about a certain game that takes place in microgravity. and Yes. I wanted to talk a little more in depth about the logistics of setting a game in microgravity. And yes. the problem therein. Because I've seen this in a lot of games that are usually spacey. Um, recently, I played Prey, and there are outer space sections in that. Dead Space 3 I played this year, again, and there are outer space sections in that. Um, even Starfield has, has certain areas where you do that. And they never feel mentioned, good. yes.
1: You've mm-hmm. also mentioned Subnautica in the last one, which technically not microgravity is... Fairly close to the approximation of being weightless, I
0: assume. Yeah, but it doesn't it, it doesn't well, we'll get into the problem with the microgravity, but it does mitigate that a little bit by being in water rather than being in space, so to speak. Okay. The problem with microgravity seems to be the disorienting nature of trying to get around when you are continuously floating in a direction and trying yes. to uh, it, it's sort of like actually. Um, have you ever played uh, like some kind of a racing game that's like a water-based racing game? Or it's on ice. Maybe you hit... Nope. No, no, no. Um, Not since I ever went to an arcade where they've got that one hydroplane racing game. Oh, race yeah. The boats. Yeah, 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 yeah. The idea of microgravity seems to be that uh, we're now in three dimensions, which is a problem with water levels, too. But with microgravity... We just keep moving in certain directions with seemingly no end, and I'm trying to track down resources in some of these games. I'm, I'm trying to lock on to targets. I'm trying to do all of these things, but now I'm constantly, like, floating around. The precision of the on-ground sections is gone. My yeah. The precision of my controls is just gone gone and I am now living in like an amorphous blob out in space (laughs) that just keeps kind of like throwing me around in general directions and I find that it's a problem for the gameplay experience because a lot of these don't give you a way to stop or pause in the location that you're in yeah, I will say, as our last segment we talked about
1: breathage, um, I will say one thing they did do well for that is that the, you have a key dedicated to stabilizing yourself. I think if you're setting a game and anything like that, you should have some State kind of way to stabilize yourself. Yeah. Hard Space Shipbreaker also had a way to stabilize yourself. You could actually was- hold
0: on! you could hold on right. the ship. Right, either it was grab onto something, or
1: I think there was a button dedicated to that as well.
0: I was playing on a controller, could... I think it was the two sticks. If you press the two sticks at the same time, it stopped you. Yes, altogether. it
1: would stop you from drifting. But you could stabilize yourself, and you could also rotate to
0: orientate yourself how you wanted. Yes. So, yes. those do it well. It's almost a requirement that you have to be able to rotate yourself around, and that you have to be able to have a way to stop at some point, because uh, I've seen games that don't in this few sections where Starfield gets you into 0g like when you get to the artifact sites I really just felt like I was floating into nothingness most of the time and and yeah. it's tricky because they want you to hit certain glowing points to unlock uh you know the ancient artifacts and so you're going towards them and as soon as you hit it it moves to a new location, but you're still floating backwards, so you're trying to compensate in order to get back to the other place. It's not a great system, and I'm thankful that it rarely is a mechanic that they utilize in that game, outside of a few really specific sections. Um, But it just makes the whole game world feel much floatier, uh, than before. Literally. Literally, yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of water levels as a general rule, even though I just had said Subnautica was far better than, than Breathage. Um, for the same basic reason, uh, you know, I'm going into water and everything just feels very floaty, and I am now in three dimensions, so orientating yourself if you're trying to get to an objective becomes really difficult. Uh, Up and down, that's another thing I see some games really struggle with, is being able to explain to people, am I up on different levels? Am I down on different levels when I'm going through them? Um, Water
1: is definitely one of those things, that, uh, similar with microgravity. uh, Games tend to have a hard time with, unless they are systems specifically made for that to be the thing. Uh, right. An example from the game, one of my games, is World of Warcraft. Of course, you can swim underwater, mm-hmm. and it's whatever. Aiming is a little bit hard. Telling distance is a little bit harder underwater. You know that yeah. makes sense, but it's annoying. Whereas, in Cataclysm, they had a whole zone that was just underwater, and they redid the entire zone, or they did the entire zone, so that it made sense mm-hmm. and it felt. Like, you were underwater, and it felt good being underwater. It didn't have the weird issue. If you were swimming, you were swimming, and if you were sitting on the floor of the ocean, you had, like, an ability that let you, like, bound across the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Like, increase your speed and let you breathe underwater and whatever. But the zone felt good because the entire thing was built around being underwater.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So it wasn't just like, oh, you're swimming underwater in any other zone. It is just, you're underwater. This is the entire mechanic here, and we built it around that. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, I um, I don't... Like, microgravity definitely uh, trips me up a lot more, I think, than even water, because at least in the water levels, usually there's a, a floor that you, right. you go to. There's an ocean floor... Uh, but also because there is some resistance, so they don't usually program it to be as floaty. Um, but the but there is then one other problem when it comes to water, which is that resistance usually leads you to needing to, uh, like, accelerating really slowly. And so you have to decelerate, it, you know, the, you might decelerate pretty quickly, but you have to accelerate really fast, which in precise control games becomes a real a real issue. Or when you had to do the, uh, the ship-to-ship combat in all of those games where I have to figure out how to turn the ship around while it's floating into one direction. Yeah. It's the floatiness that's the problem more than anything. Yeah. And I think that microgravity ends up being uh, really, really poor for that because you don't always slow down. Now, Breathage will also do a thing where if you just leave your controls alone for enough time... It will eventually slow you down to zero, but it's a process. <laughs> it's it's a length of time.
1: Which, if you're in microgravity, you would you wouldn't do that, right? Or zero gravity, even you wouldn't do that. You would have to actively decelerate. Right, right. And because uh, yeah, <laughs> there's there's no air resistance in space to slow you down, which is why it's fairly easy to keep gaining speed with things you go hey like here's the thing with breathage too you said we mentioned how it was slow Mm -hmm. uh like 10 meters a second but once you let off that you're you go slower it's like no in space if you were to do uh go six meters and then propel yourself to go 10 meters you would stay at 10 meters and then more propulsion you add would just add speed
0: right Right. Even through all of the floatiness of it, the system still doesn't really abide by the physics of space. Right. (laughs) You know, if I keep thrusting, I should continually go faster and faster and faster. It would just not, it would just take longer than if I'm in a ship or something like that.
1: But then if you're decelerating, you would also have to apply more deceleration force to be able to stop. So it should be a process to speed up, and then a process to slow down.
0: Oh, yeah, which which would be fine. I kind of like the idea of saying, well, you got your accelerator on you, and you just thrust, and you keep going as fast as you could possibly imagine going, but if you're not decelerating when you get to the other side, and you hit anything, like you, yeah. hit, you hit the smallest particles we put into the, into the atmosphere, the, the little ship parts... It's gonna crack your helmet and damage yeah. you badly, you know? Yeah,
1: and that's that's one of those things. Like, you know, as the people that are way smarter than us have mentioned, like, if you're going the speed of light, then deceleration becomes a big problem.
0: Yeah, you can't even necessarily tell uh, what you're decelerating to in the yeah. first place. Because you can't see it if you're going the speed of light. Um... Yeah. Even
1: Star Wars has has this thing. When Han was like, What do you think you're gonna just hit hyperdrive without plotting a course first? You'll go head first into a planet.
0: Right, exactly. Like you yes. know,
1: that's an uh, you know, the original Star Wars. And you know, Han's looking at Luke like, No no, you gotta plot a course, otherwise you're gonna warp yourself into an asteroid. Yeah. You know?
0: Don't get cocky, kid. That's again. <laughs> um yeah, you, know, you you have to be uh, conscientious about that because you're creating this big open space. Um, I I don't know the better way to solve that problem um, outside of just trying to mitigate using microgravity as a as, as a setting for exploration, um, but it, putting some kind of of resistance mechanics in there just so that it feels tighter. Uh, I'm like out there in the middle of, well, breathage, like trying to figure out where all of these little little tiny, you know, resources are, these little globes floating in the in the atmosphere. And I, i'm I'm going towards them, and like, quickly bypassing them and rotating back to try and orient myself to them there's very few gains to what you're doing (laughs) in that in that uh, space so uh either either trying to figure out how to track stuff better so that the motion controls feel more stable in my hands or putting things closer to me you know I, I think one of the problems I've seen with so many space games as I played more than I thought I was going to just in the last few months um, is it doesn't need to be as spread out as this you could you could this have is... the distance to everything
1: <laughs> this is uh, I've mentioned before we've talked about it space is setting words guys I get it you want space to feel massive but maybe...
0: For the players and for the scope of your game, maybe don't have it quite as massive. Right. We can limit the scope of this area and get the same amount of stuff out of it. Because uh, it's usually just a lot of mindless traversal through the black inky void that you've provided to us. Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely not my favorite part of games. Um, and I usually am yearning for a a place with gravity that I can set down on. Uh, The only times where I found it interesting in, like, Starfield, for instance, was when they said, hey, here's planets that have, like, really just low gravity, and you could use your thrusters to, like, bound really high up in the air and over terrain and then come. That I found fun because, you know, it's like low gravity is kind of cool, But microgravity becomes, like, a real problem from the logistics of traversal. Um, So I guess that's a a small rant about the issue with microgravity. And to a lesser extent, um, aquatic landscapes. Uh, But, I mean, I think the other problem I have with aquatic landscapes is anytime they put in a water thing... Sharks have to be in it, and sharks and yeah, do know like how sharks. to deal with, yeah, I don't, I don't. I have a thing about sharks in games. I always worry when I get into any kind of body of water in a game that there's going to be, that they're going to think, because of course they're going to want to, is that there's going to be a shark that comes right at me and tries to eat my face off. Hey, like, at least you enjoyed like Maneater. Yeah, but see, I liked that because I was, I was the shark. Exactly. I was the shark eating people. <laughs> that was great. game of the year man eater (laughs) and and that actually gets around the water problem because sharks are aerodynamic and built for the water so you use the water as a proper motility device and then the land doesn't feel right so
1: right the other thing with space too here here's just a side note for space it's not it's on the aerodynamic part is um a, a lot of games that have like space and spaceships they
0: always look like they're
1: aerodynamic craft for
0: some reason yeah i don't i still don't understand that because it's not it, there's no point to it
1: yeah um there is that one thing from the hitchhiker's guide where the vogon constructor ships look like giant yellow bricks hanging in space because they don't need to be aerodynamic in space unless they're right. atmospheric craft and then there's the thing with star wars where A lot of their spaceships, the smaller fighters and stuff, are aerodynamic. Like for the Rebels, the A-Wing, for instance, aerodynamic because it's a very good, you know, atmospheric craft. Whereas TIE fighters and TIE
0: bombers, for instance, really not that great in atmosphere. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, I am reminded of uh, something I thought was very interesting from Star Trek. Which is that a lot of those ships are built to be more aerodynamic, but the Borg, you know, the assimilation, Noobs. the assimilation uh, group that's supposed to be technologically advanced because they keep assimilating all the knowledge. They were like cubes. They're just big cubes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can keep up with you in my freaking cube. <laughs>
1: Brent, space doesn't care about your aerodynamics. So why why are our ships aerodynamic?
0: This is the best way that we can utilize space. is in a cube. I can keep most stuff in the smallest amount of space in a cube. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. So yeah, and then the the thing that they only did to make it more aerodynamic later is I think was it like one of their capital ships were was a sphere. If <laughs> I you were going to say a spoiler. Oh yeah, no, no. It would be cool if you put a spoiler on a board cube, though. Here, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty sweet. Extra extra large rims. Pimp out my cube. Pimp my cube. Anyway, uh but no, they put they made a sphere. It's like, oh alright. <laughs> I guess, sure. Why not? But Right. Yeah. Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, if you're creating a ship that isn't gonna be in gravity at all, there's no point in making it aerodynamic. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, That's been our TED Talk on aerodynamics and ship design for space. So to to all the space billionaires out there listening, you're welcome. We've we've helped you tremendously. Alex, I think that uh, we've allowed as much space as we possibly can for this episode. I think I'm
1: going to have to hit a road trip just to get more space from this episode.
0: Yeah. Hey, remember my space? No. Yeah, no one does. Anyway, uh, Alex, if uh, they wanted to find out more about our space in this landscape, where could they go? You
1: could go to TotalPubbleKnockdown.com where we have all the space to show you all the things we
0: do. That's right. It's our own little space. A we space. You can uh, also check out our Patreon banner for early releases and additional features. And you can check us out on every podcast app known to mankind, as well as finding us on social media. I am at Titanium. I am at EXP Limited, and the show is at Pebble Knockdown. So check us out there for all of your interspatial pebble needs. We're launching pebbles into space. That's the thing that in May that he's totally going to be doing. He's going that to get some dangerous. He's going to get some pebbles that are branded with our logo on it, and it, he's going to launch them into space. And then some alien is going to come along and go, "Hmm, I wonder what this is," and not care and yep. immediately throw it away. Perfect. Do you know? I I wonder if we launched pebbles into space, and an alien race came and got it, would that be space rocks to them? I
1: don't know. Probably. I think everything is space rocks.
0: That's true. Everything is space rocks. Would they collect them and go like, "Ooh, a rare, rare, like uh, rocks from Earth? Earth rocks?
1: Maybe. Earth rocks?" They'd be like, "This one has a weird design on it from some alien species that died up millions of years ago."
0: That's true. <laughs> By the time they find it, they bro- think it was a fossil. It might be a fossil, I wonder, in the millions of years since uh since we created them, if they would look any different. It just has like the the top part or it just it just has the little rocks falling down. It doesn't have the exterior design or anything on it, yeah, yeah, yep. just a couple dots, they go, ooh, what does this mean? It must be a code, yeah be fun. Anyway, while we try to figure out what aliens will do with our merch in <laughs> million years, um, thank you for joining us on this episode. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now. That's what I said. There was a game that you probably had heard about from way back when called star wars episode one racer which was oh the pod racing which was the pod racing yeah there are a few planets on there where there are ice sections that you drive on okay and when that happens you start sliding into the turns and have to right question for you why would you slide if you're pod racing over ice because they thought it sounded fun but they don't have wheels they're hovering I guess if you're floating on certain terrains, it's more stable? The, it's Star Wars Racer. I wouldn't, wouldn't worry too much yeah. about it. The space shuttle did not need to be aerodynamic. Yes, it did. The space shuttle had to. Well, it had to when it was launching, but it didn't really need to be once it was in space.
1: No, but it
0: needed to be once it touched
1: back down as well. The rockets have to just be able to get into space, and then they don't have to be aerodynamic in space. They just have to be able to have... The the way the capsules are shaped is specifically for re-entry, because the way they deflect heat off the bottom is having a bigger surface area with a blade of plating that is uh, to wick the heat away from the
0: actual module. Okay, science boy.
1: If I die right now, please launch me at the sun.